what I want to do is just get right into the meat of this. Um, Romans is such a rich, every time I get in this book, it just stretches my mind um, because there's so much stuff in here. And so um, just want to dive right in. Um, Just want to say before the end that, again, I'm humbled by this opportunity. I don't get to teach a lot. When I do, I get really excited. You'll probably see that. I talk really fast because I get really excited about what God's word has to say. And so, um, again, just humbled for the opportunity. With that said, let's jump in. I want to start, though, y'all have been going through Romans. And um, last week, as um, Matt was sharing, I wanted to start basically in the introduction to end with Romans chapter 5, verse 11, because we're going to see this progression that takes place today. I love how Paul always does his progressions in his writing. It's like it just gets sweeter as it goes, you know. And isn't that like the scriptures? Isn't that like our relationship with Jesus? The deeper and the more we understand about him, the richer and the more uh, just it progresses and just gets richer and sweeter, isn't it? Amen? Just what we know about Jesus, it just keeps getting better and better. But here's what, he, here's what Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 11. He says this, And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Another word for that is received this friendship. So it's beautiful. Paul starts out saying this, We're friends of God. And that's a good thing, y'all, because before we were in Christ, and, and I realize today, We don't like to talk about, if we're honest, we don't like to think about God's judgment or maybe God's holiness because there's penalty, there's wrath. The good news is this morning is that if you're in Christ, you don't have to worry about that because we've become friends of God. So know that this morning that as they conclude last week, we're friends of God. We sang about it this morning. You're God's friend, but you know what? As you'll see by the end of this sermon today, it gets even sweeter. And let's jump in, and what we're going to first touch on in this first, this first part is we're going to talk about God's love, um, and that is based on Romans chapter 6, 1 through 11. And the first thing we see here is the reality of our death with Christ. In um, Romans chapter 6, 1 through 5, it says, What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that the grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died in sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may also, we may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. So Paul's describing here saying, Look, this is the reality. When we said yes to Jesus, we turned from sin. So we're dead to sin. And that's what he's saying is that if you think about it, like um, someone passes away and, and you walk by the viewing and you say something to them, they can't respond because there's no life in that to respond. And Paul's saying this is the reality of what's happened. We've, when we turn from sin, we die just like Christ died on the cross. And therefore, that's the reality. Sin should be dead to us. Then he goes on and saying, he gives us the reason in verse um, 6, 6 through 7. He says this, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless 
so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who has died is free from sin. Think about that. When we died with Christ, we were free from the bondage of sin. When we said yes to him, we turned from it. That's the reality, and then here is the reason and why. Paul goes on to, he tells us, because we're to turn from it. We're to, we're to consider sin dead, not to be pulled from it. And we know, we know as Christians, y'all, that sometimes, sometimes we're going to stumble. We know because John tells us that. We're going to sin. In fact, he tells us, he said, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar and the truth's not in you. So we know, but what Paul's saying is this, is we, can, we should consider ourselves. We should consider sin that we're dead to it, not to respond to it. That's the, that's the reason. And then he says, Paul goes on to tell us the results in 8 through 11. He says, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died, so, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Those are the results. That's powerful, church. This, it's really powerful that we understand that. What happened during that transformation of going from death to life when we said yes to the gospel? The reality is we died to sin. The reason... He gives us the reason and then the results. And watch this. Now we have this new life. And I have to tell you, whoever, whoever's preaching next on Romans chapter 12, Lord have mercy, that's a rich... Mm, I mean, it's exciting. But here, we see the results. That first part, you guys, if you think about it, everything that we just touched on really demonstrates the love of Christ. Look, Christ came from glory where everything was perfect, where he was being worshipped, and he said yes to come to this earth where he was rejected, where he was beat till his insides were shown, and people mocked him and made fun of him. He never sinned. He never did anything wrong to anybody for us so that we may live with him in eternity. That's good news. That's the love of God. I'm going to touch on a piece of that in, in eight as well, but... Before that, we're going to move now into, now that we know this love, let's understand the forgiveness that God gave to us. And that starts in um, Romans chapter 6, 12 through 23. And notice this, sin has been defeated. I love that. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. I'm about to get excited, y'all. This is so powerful. I just learned something this past week. Could you pull that slide up for me? Just this last week in Sunday school at our church, we were shown this triangle. And this is, this is so powerful because this is me trying to do the best I can to explain what Paul was talking about, okay? There's one or two routes that we can walk on our relationship with God, okay? We can, 
And, and I'm going to show you the first one. And y'all listen, this marked the beginning of my journey as a Christian and my understanding of the church that I came from. This is how I walked in my relationship with God. It looked like this. I came to know Jesus. Jesus saved me. He set me free. Parents divorced when I was young, like five. I was molested by my stepfather. I was a drug addict by the time I was in ninth grade. And so my wife got saved. I was living with this stranger that all of a sudden wanted to tell me about this God who loved me. Then I radically come to Jesus. And then here's the thing. I felt like it depended on what I did to get God's attention. So this is what my route looked like. It was starts with father and then it was my self-effort. This is what self-effort looked like for me. Every time the church was open on Wednesday, I was there. Sunday morning, Sunday school class. Every time there was a Bible study. Sign me up. Serving this way, serving that way, serving this way. And here's what I noticed. I would do all this serving. And I noticed I was still struggling with the flesh. And so, if you see, I was banking on everything that I did would, was based on my obedience, right? And I was trusting, okay, that if I could obey everything, then that meant that would define my identity. But you know what the trap is in that? It goes back to me, not the Father, which led to a lot of anger. You ever seen yourself on that route? You just, I got to do, I got to do. I got to do in order for God to like notice me. I got to do, I got to do, I got to perform. Listen, Christianity, it's not about doing, it's about being because Christ already done it. Let me say that again. In Christianity, it's not about doing, it's about being because Christ already did it. We just talked about the victory this morning. And, and I see this, I'm mentoring a, a divorced couple right now that hopefully God's going to try to reconcile, and they're trying to do it with self-effort. And Paul is saying this at the end. He says, for sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law but under grace. And listen, wasn't that a lot about the scriptures is the, is the Pharisees and stuff? It all had to do with your performance. And if you couldn't measure up, you were a sinner, and you weren't worthy to be in the clique. But this is the route that God wants us to understand. Next slide. This is beautiful. See, if we start with the Father and we go to our identity and we trust that what God says about us in Jesus, listen, even in our worst moment when we fall short, that God still calls us friends. God still calls us sons and daughters. God still calls us loved. If we believe what God says about us in our identity, there's good news in that because watch this. Once we see that, once we see what God says about us and we trust that, even when we fall short, well, it leads to abiding. And we know Jesus told us in John chapter 15, he says, abide in me and I in you. And why? Why do that? Because he said, apart from me, you can't do anything. So when we abide in him, we will be more obedient, and our obedience will bring him glory. As, you're think, as we walk through the rest of the scriptures today, I want you to think about that. What route are you running? See, if we run the self-effort route, here's what I've learned. I treated people, okay, not the best when I went that route. Because I tried to hold them to legalism. 
But once I understood that my identity was secure in Jesus Christ and there was nothing the enemy could do to change that, it set me free. And here's what you, here's what you start realizing. When you're set free, you start to lead others to freedom. I'm going to leave this up here today. Are you tempted to do it on your own? I need another Bible study. I need this. Listen, church, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. But if you're going to those studies for like a self-effort to like prove something to God, you don't need to prove anything to God. God's already proved your worth. Okay? He sent his son to die on the cross. We mean a lot to God. Trust what he says about you. Believe, listen, believe that no matter what, God is not going to bail on us. I'm not telling, I'm not saying today that sin doesn't have consequence, because it does. The Bible tells us. But it's not going to change our relationship with Jesus Christ when we fail. It's not going to change our relationship with Jesus Christ when we fail. We are his kids. That's good news. And he says this. For you, your sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. Listen, sin has no chance against grace. You want to beat sin up? Beat it to death with grace. It can't stand in the ring with it. Someone sins against you, hit them with grace. Forgive them. Love them and forgive them. Listen, sin doesn't stand a chance. beautiful verse and, and again before we, we move on to um, we see that the sin is defeated because of God's love and his forgiveness notice this Paul says don't offer your parts of sin as weapons of unrighteousness the word weapon think about that like honestly when we know who we are and let's, let's just use this God tells us we're ambassadors so we're listen we're proclaiming we're standing for the kingdom of God telling people about Jesus Christ and who he is and what he can offer them. Do we really want to do we really want to go back into that old way of thinking and be used as a weapon of unrighteousness? We don't want that. You know why we don't want to do that? Because there'll be consequences for that and it'll cause someone to be hurt. No, we want to be used as weapons for righteousness. And y'all, I don't know about you, but all it takes is about 5 minutes on social media, open a newspaper or turn on the news. We need Jesus to do something radical. Because there's a lot of hate and a lot of division in our country right now. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of debating and all this other kind of stuff. And you know what? The devil needs a black eye. I stand up here. I watch these kids go to camp. I look into their face. And y'all sent that awesome green bus to us the other day. I love that bus, y'all. I'm telling you, I need a bus like that. I, that's a bus I drive to work and be proud of. That thing is rocks. We load up them kids yesterday to go to camp. They started posting pictures of them coming off the bus. And they're clapping for them. Every time they go somewhere, they're clapping for them and high-fiving them and telling them of their value and their worth, that there's victory for them. And many of those kids I know have been beaten. Some of them hardly have something to eat. 
abused, not a hot meal at home, some don't have running water. And we're debating and fighting about things that don't matter. God help us. Paul now tells us sin's defeated. So there's this new liberty. Romans chapter 6, starting with verse 15. What then should sin? What then? Should we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Absolutely not. Just because we're under grace doesn't mean God gives us a license to just do what we want to do. That's ridiculous. By the way, that theology is out there, y'all. It's ridiculous. Don't you know that you offer yourself to someone as obedient slaves? You are slaves to the one you obey, either of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. So here's the thing, y'all, because God has crushed, I love that word, he's crushed the power of sin. He's made us free, okay? Say free. Free. We're free. We are free. That should make us all just so excited, cut a little jig. We're free. We have this new liberty because we have been set free because Jesus Christ crushed sin because grace can't stand in the ring with it. We don't have to give in to this sin. God's given this liberty. Listen, there is no greater liberty and freedom than in Christ Jesus. America can't offer it. No country can offer it. But Jesus can offer liberty, true liberty and what that means. We have this new liberty. Because we have that new liberty, 19 through 20, it talks about our new loyalty. And having been set free from sin, you become enslaved to righteousness. Listen, because of that, now we have this loyalty to who? God. Our loyalty isn't to do the wrong thing anymore. Our loyalty is to Jesus Christ. Our body, and y'all will get into this, Romans 12, it's a living sacrifice. That means our life is to be used as tools, we just talked about this, of righteousness. Because we're owned. We have a new father. We have a new loyalty. And Paul goes on talking about the longevity of that. I love this. Well, how long is that? How long does this last? Just going to touch on this. He says, the outcome is for eternal life. Y'all, I don't know about y'all, but eternal is a long time. Amen? Eternal is a long time forever and ever so we see Paul tells us hey this is how this is how the this is how the victory is explained it's through love it's through forgiveness we have this new liberty new loyalty and new longevity now he transitions us into in Romans chapter 8 and he says now look now that you know how you you came to Christ in this new life now I'm going to tell you the way of victory experienced. Love it. This is the experience. We sung about it this morning. We talked about it this morning. It's a beautiful thing. I love Romans chapter 8, verse 1. I don't know many Christians that don't like this verse. Listen to what Paul says. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Amen? There is no condemnation. 
If there's no condemnation in Jesus, that's good news. You know what I find very interesting about this verse, what I find to be so powerful, written by the Apostle Paul? I want y'all to imagine something with me for a minute. Paul, murdered Christians. Watch Stephen be stoned to death. This dude was radically against everything Jesus stood for. Then he's walking down this road, and he had no idea that he was going to meet Jesus, but he did. And Jesus radically changed his life. Now, could you do me a favor? And again, please try to imagine yourself, the Apostle Paul, you had, you had I mean, you're a, you're, you have all this passion, and you're going everything against who God is and his people, and then all of a sudden, now you're going in the direction of following him. Watch. Then the Holy Spirit leads him, okay, to write the book of Corinthians. And as Paul is writing, do you think maybe this came to his mind? That when he went back into that town, he just might look at young people's eyeballs looking at him who he knew he orphaned their parents. He killed them. He made them orphans. Made them fatherless or motherless by his hand. Can you imagine that for a second? Would you be afraid? Would you feel shame to stand before these people and now proclaim Jesus Christ, who you once was murdering his people? Would you be afraid? Would you feel shame? Yeah. We would, we would be tempted. Look, we would be tempted. Our identity would be under attack. And I believe when Paul wrote these words, listen, only the power of the gospel, just like those kids said this morning, makes us bold to no matter what our past looks like, we step into the future with hope with Jesus Christ, and we boldly go and tell people regardless of our past. Because church, here's the truth, all right? Our past doesn't define us. Jesus Christ defines us. And only that would Paul would have had the power to stand before those eyes of those kids with under God's grace and proclaim that good news to them. This man knew what condemnation was all about, and he could boldly tell us there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Lord, have mercy. Doesn't that make y'all want to run outside and just take a lap? I'm as bad as they come, but that makes me want to run, y'all. There is no condemnation. When you walk out of here today, church, if you're in Jesus Christ, if you're going through a battle right now, you're going through something, listen, if it's an own family member that's coming against you and judging you because sin is wicked and evil and the devil tries to divide us, I want you to know something today. You are not condemned in Christ Jesus. You are free. Walk in that freedom with boldness and love and grace. I love that verse. Y'all probably can tell. We are not condemned. Not only are we not condemned, Paul says we're not controlled by sin anymore, verse 2. He says, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin. There it is again. He tells us we've been set free. Liberty. Freedom. Set free. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is just awesome. You know, I feel like a lot of times pastors just stand up here for an hour and tell you how awesome he is and just make a sermon out of that and everybody have a hoop, hoop and holler in time. He is amazing. We are not condemned. We are not controlled. Therefore, listen, Paul says we don't have to continue to sin. Three through four. 
He tells us, what if the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of the sinful flesh as a sin offering in order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Look at this, y'all. Because we're not condemned by it, because we're not controlled by it, we don't have to be tempted to follow it anymore. Why? We're free. And guess what? Even when we fall short, it doesn't change our position in Christ. Knowing that freedom, I believe, I believe that is so powerful that when we understand our identity, we will sin less. Because we'll understand that it cannot change our position in Jesus Christ. It just can't change it. So we can abide and obey and bring him glory. And listen, when our lives are like that, trust me, it points people to God. They just know something's different about us. We don't have to continue. Paul then moves on, and now he starts talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit controls the mind, 5 through 7. He says, For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now, the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life. The mind set on the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, indeed is unable to do so. So listen, church, once you think about this today, what do you think about a lot that comes to your mind? What, do you, what goes through your mind a lot that you think about does it bring God glory or does it bring you pain? Here's why I say does it bring you pain. Because God tells us not to sin, right? Because here's why he tells us not to sin, because he's a loving father. And he tells us when we sin, there's going to be a consequence. And you know what? Any, good, any great father or mother doesn't want to see our kids go through pain. Amen? We understand that. We understand that. He tells us. Set your mind on the things above. So what goes through your mind? Does your mind think about like the fruits of the Spirit? Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, self-control. Or does it think about things that are not of God? If they're not of God, ask God to remind you that you're his kid and to help you. Not only does it change our, control our mind, but it controls our motives. And Paul tells us in 8 and 9, he says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Listen, God, listen what Paul's talking about. Paul's talking about us and Jesus. We're, the Holy Spirit's in you. You ever thought about that? The very spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead haunts our soul. I love it. So our, when our mind changes, listen to this, church. When your mind changes, your motives will change. And not only will your motives change, but how you're, the members of your body, listen, your eyes, your ears, your thoughts, your mouth, your hands, your feet, all that stuff will change, Okay? Because the Holy Spirit controls it. And you can find that in 10 through 13. 
Listen, when I say this, does your hands and feet, your accounts, your mouth, your eyes, your ears, are they controlled by the Spirit of God that they're bringing life to others? Listen, because you understand who you are in Christ, if, that, if, if you're walking that other route and you're just trying to do it and you keep falling short, look, just ask God to help your mind, help God remind you who you are in Him. You're God's kid. And that's how we're going to wrap up is, I love this. Y'all, we started out, Paul told us, listen, you're friends of God. And, and just like it is, you get in the scriptures and it just keeps getting sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. And our relationship with Jesus Christ, it just gets better and better and better. And so now Paul's like, not only that, but you know what? You're, daughter, you're sons and daughters of God. We're family. He goes on to tell us that at the end of 8. Listen, he's adopted us. That's how I want to end. Because I work with a young gal, Riley, that we just talked about this morning. Okay? Matt and his family adopted her. Listen, I'll never forget sitting across from her in my office when she shared with me where she's been from, what she's went through. And listen, how the enemy continues to try to tell her that she's not worthy because of things that she's seen and experienced in her past. Constantly trying to get her to live in the past. And I, and I watched with this great resolve that she battles and battles and battles. And y'all, it was so cool yesterday because just this last week of this journey, it was like back and forth and back and all these emotions and taking kids to camp. And if you know her, she's the most detailed human being that I've ever worked with. So much so it's like, I better not make a mistake, Lord, because she is so detailed and she's so focused, yet she's got this very strong passion, okay, to be this voice to be a voice for kids that are hurting and watching her yesterday get on that bus five minutes prior her asking me to pray with her because of what was going through her mind I was so proud of her I bring Riley up because we've asked Riley God's asked Riley not us we're just getting behind what God's called her to do Riley's going to move to Vinton and be an area director to stand in the gap for hurting kids with YFC. What I'd ask is that you get to know Riley and her story and listen and hear the power of redemption of what her family did. When they extended that hand, it was just like when Jesus extended his hand to help us. She's going to need your prayers She's going to need your support and your encouragement. And I want to tell you guys something. When she walks in freedom, Satan better get out of the way. Because she, she gets laser focused on something, y'all. You just step back and you're like, go ahead, girl. Go get them. I wanted to end that to say... Kind of to tell you guys, we're excited. We want to reach 4,000 kids, y'all, in, in authentic Christ-sharing relationships. What's that mean? Well, I'll kind of give you an idea right now. 
900 kids came through our clubs in Cedar Rapids last year. But only 200 and some of those kids, okay, were connected with on a, on a Christ-sharing relationship where we can see this change. So we want to go from 200 to 400, or excuse me, 4,000. Kind of give you an idea what that'll take and kind of where we're at right now. We have 40-some, 60-some volunteers. It'll take 800 volunteers to reach that goal. And it's counting in this county. It's Lynn, Jones, and Benton County. 4,000 kids, Christ-sharing relationship. It'll take $3.6 million. We're at about a half million right now budget. And it's going to take 36 staff. Here's why I tell you that. Because I believe God's going to do it. I believe God wants to do it. Because there's so many hurting kids. They are in crisis. And they desperately need to know that there is victory in Jesus Christ. Y'all, I mentioned to you in, Luke, or in Corinthians about Paul. All those things that went through his mind that I believe when he had to look in the eyes of these kids. And then, listen, love compelled him to go back and take that message. There's another part of that story, too, and that's this. There's not a person in here, I, I believe this, that if your kid was in peril or about to lose their life, that you would not step in the way to rescue them. God looked from heaven on his son as we were nailing him to a tree. And when he asked for help, God said, no. You want to know how much you're loved? Think of that. How could God turn his back on his son? Only love and grace. When you walk out of here today, you are loved by God. So radically live your life for him and change this community and start in your families. Will you bow your heads with me as I pray? Y'all, if you're two things that I'm going to pray, you've never experienced that relationship where you've said yes to Jesus. If that's you, if, if, if you've never experienced that, you just quietly lift your hand up. Nobody's looking around at you. If that's you, would you raise your hand? If you need salvation, would you raise your hand? Amen. Thank you. And if you're currently walking through something that's really rough right now in your life, and you just want us to pray for you, listen, you want God to help you understand that victory that we were talking about today, if that's you, will you just raise your hand? Would you quietly slip your hand up? Thank you. Thank you. I want to pray for you. God, I, I just first want to thank you, God, for that person that raised their hand this morning to say yes to you. She has got new life forever. Thank you for that. And Father, I just want to ask for those that raised their hand that they're 
ask that they truly want to understand this victory and that their identity is secure in you. Father, I pray that you would touch them. I pray that you would renew their mind and show them, God, that they are so loved. And Jesus, for those that had, didn't raise their hands, but they have things going on in their life, Father, would your Holy Spirit, in a powerful way, draw them to you in your grace. Thank you for the opportunity to open your word and share your great love with your people. In Christ's name.